G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. Coming up today on The Story. I can look back now, you know, my teenage years when I went through all the rebellion and everything, and I think I offer help and hope to parents of uh, rebellious teenagers because I was that child sort of Mm. rebelling against my faith and then rediscovered it in my early 20s through a really tough experience for my best friend took her own life. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story, a powerful one for you today from Annette Spur. She describes herself as a strongly independent woman and, as we just heard, she went through a bit of a rebellious period in her young adult years. Today, we'll find out how God turned Annette's life around and what she's up to these days. That's Annette Spur from Brisbane on The Story. She's chatting with Karen Hunt. Let's just start with a little bit of a background. Where did you grow up? What was childhood like for you? Tell us a little bit about the early days of Annette Spur. Sure. Wow. Um, yeah, mine's not your regular run-of-the-mill childhood because I was actually born in the United Arab Emirates. Really? Yeah. Um, and because my parents were missionaries over there. Uh-huh. And um, so uh, I was actually born at the Oasis Hospital in Abu Dhabi. Wow. Yeah. And so I spent the first five, six years of my life um, growing up in the desert, um, which is quite funny, actually, because my husband grew up in the desert as well, but he, he grew up in Broken Hill. <laughs> so we're both desert dwellers at heart. Bit of a contrast, <laughs> though, huh? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we moved to a little country town in um, Queensland when we came back to Australia when I was about six to Gatton, um, which is a place um, close to my heart. And, um, uh, yeah, just had a, a, a really uh, regular childhood with... I've got three brothers, so um, the only girl in my family. And now I have two sons, and even, even my dog is a male. So I think boys are my lot in life, but I'm happy with that. <laughs> well, God knows what you can handle if you had brothers. Yes, absolutely, yeah. I, you, I absolutely love having my little boys. It, it suits me to a T. You know, for me, when I uh, gave birth to my first boy and then a second boy, and I'm like, God, you know I wanted a girl all along. Mm. Come on, what's happening? Mm. And I really had to take on board the concept of, well, if you've given me the hat to wear where my hubby and I, our job is to raise godly young men in a yep. world where godliness in young men is not as, you know, not as common these days, then, hey, I shall rise to the occasion and with your help, do my best. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I, whenever one of my friends has a little baby girl, I absolutely shower her in pink. Because <laughs> there was a serious lack of pink in my house. <laughs> yeah. And are you a pink girl to wear yourself? Oh, yeah. You yeah. are. I'm, I'm a very girly girl. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I am, but that's okay. <laughs> We're all different. So tell me, going back to Gatton, so was Gatton in Queensland your first schooling years or was that overseas? Yeah, no. Um, well, I started in the desert. <laughs> kindergarten in the Middle East. Uh, we went to a school for kids and missionaries. It was mm-hmm. um, run by um, some British nuns. Uh-huh. Um, and so I started my education there. And then um, when we came back, when we moved to Australia, I went to Gatton State School um, and did um, my primary schooling there. Um, And then we actually moved to Sydney. Um, My parents did a lot of work 
with um, people moving from the Middle East, okay. um, teaching them English and, and ministering to them and that sort of thing. And the western suburbs of Sydney really was the ideal place to do that. Wow. Um, there is a, a huge um, community amongst the Middle East uh, Middle Eastern people in Sydney, Western Sydney. So that's where we sort of um, set up shop there for my through my high school years. So your teenage years were in amidst that environment. Mm. How was that? Yeah, yeah, very different. I, I certainly, you know, the school that I went to in, in Sydney um, was very, very multicultural and uh, there were very few actual just born and bred Australians and even I myself wasn't born in Australia. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it certainly uh, I grew up really appreciating lots of different cultures. Um, my, um, one of my best friends was Lebanese and my other best friend was Korean and another one was Russian and so, yeah, we certainly um, grew up with a lot of amazing food around us and a, a lot of vibrant cultures around us. And obviously with what your parents were doing, Christianity was a key part of that time of your life? Yeah, absolutely. Certainly being a pastor's kid, I know mm-hmm. that, um, and, and even more so a missionary's kid, mm. <laughs> um, uh, people who are listening in who are um, children of missionaries can definitely relate that you certainly grow up with a lot of expectation around your behaviour and yeah. um, that sort of thing, which in teenage years is uh, certainly tested and tried. Um, but, uh, you know, t- through it all, I'm really grateful for my parents' faith that they've instilled in me. And I can look back now, um, you know, my teenage years when I went through all the rebellion and everything. And I think I offer help to and hope to parents of uh, rebellious teenagers and, and, young tw- and early 20s because I was that child sort mm. of rebelling against my faith and then um, rediscovered it in my um, um, early 20s through um, a really tough experience where my best friend um, took her own life. Mm, really? Um, and it really made me, you know, when I was thinking about her the night that I got the news and I thought, you know what, at some point every single one of us is going to discover the secrets of eternity and, <clears throat> and what really happens when we close our eyes for the last time and, and it just hurt me inside to think that she was anywhere else but somewhere beautiful and, and amazing and it, and it made me think of myself well where am I going now mm-hmm. you know at this point in my life when I'm, I've run away from God and it, it, um, it really woke me up and made me want to um, rediscover my faith for myself and, and not just um, living through my parents faith. So where did that rediscovery take you? Um, well, I, I um, connected with uh, a great church in Sydney, St. Matthias, and I met some amazing people there who um, took me under their wings and mentored me and, and um, helped me through um, some, some um, sort of tough um, things in my life I needed to, to work through and make mm-hmm. peace with. And um, I discovered a really personal, um, beautiful relationship with Jesus that um, has um, I've been blessed to be able to take that through with me through the rest of my life and um, you know and you, and you make mistakes along the way and you do silly things and that sort of thing but you know I've, I've always felt this, Jesus really close to me and, and looking out for me and, and just little things that happen and you can just see God's little God's footprint in your life through, mm. throughout your life even when you're trying to run away from him mm. <laughs> he's still there You're listening to The Story. Today we're hearing Annette Spur share her life journey. Next, we'll hear the next chapter in her life when she decided to leave home. Back with more soon. The Story.
If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt's conversation with missionary kid turned mummy blogger Annette Spur. Right now, we're going to hear about the next chapter in her life when she decided to leave home. Just after my 22nd birthday, I um, just felt like I just wanted to get out. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted a fresh start. I wanted a new beginning, um, leave behind the pain of... of past of the loss of my best friend and, and that sort of thing and, and just wanted to um, find some peace again. And my parents actually lived in, in Brisbane and so they, they had moved to Brisbane a few years before and, mm-hmm. and I was either going to move to Brisbane or Melbourne and I decided on Brisbane because I could stay with mum and dad while I got myself yeah. set up and found a job and a place to live and all that sort of thing. Yep, so nice. Yeah, just happened to be... And that was, um, gosh, I can't do the math, but it was... <laughs> That's okay. It was 2000. So what, what's your thing? I mean, you went to uni, you studied what? I studied IT multimedia. Uh-huh. And so I actually was working for a, a web design company for uh, a few years as um, their uh, creative director. And then um, they were actually going through some financial troubles and, and one of the, the managers confided in me, said, look, if I was you, I would, I would look for a job elsewhere. This isn't going to last for much longer. He was honest. <laughs> I'm really blessed he did that. And at the time, um, there was a, a local Christian radio station in Brisbane that was looking for sales reps, and I wasn't, it wasn't even <laughs> on the radar for me. And um, then two or three, probably th- three people, different people approached me and said, hey, I've heard that this 96.5 in Brisbane is looking for sales reps. You'd be perfect for that. I thought, really? Sales? <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, but you know, through their persistence, they really, uh, they really felt that I should apply for this job, and so um, I did. And um, I got uh, this job at this Christian radio station in Brisbane, and uh, lo and behold, sharing um, desk space with um, this young fellow called Phil, <laughs> and uh, he was the old dog on the block. He was the you know the sales expert, and I was the new kid on the block who didn't really know what I was doing. So. I would bother him a lot, just asking questions, and and then the you know the, the questions just turned into conversation, and before too long we were really close friends, and almost a year to the day of when we met, we um, were married. I understand now, Phil, and yourself, Blue Box Media is a big part of your world. Yeah, absolutely. That was a vision that Phil had when he was studying at uni. He um, God laid this on his heart to start an advertising agency with a heart to build Christian media across Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was his vision. And um, so when we met at 96.5, my gifts really complemented his because I came from the whole creative perspective, a a writer and a designer and that sort of thing, whereas he has the the sales and marketing um, expertise. Um, and you know he's he's amazing at what he does, and so it just it was just this marriage made in heaven, quite literally. Um, and so Blue Box Media was born, and so you know he looks after the business side of things, and I look after the creative side of things. And uh, you know we both love what we do, and we love working with with Christian media across Australia, and 
um, doing some amazing things, building the kingdom around the country. You have two gorgeous boys. Mm. Now, I'm sure they have their favourite TV shows at their age at the moment. I'm actually interested to ask you, Mm. based on something you sent to me about a week or so ago, what was your favourite TV show when you were growing up? Yeah, it was hands down Full House all Uh the way. Uh (laughs) I grew up watching Full House from, um, you know, the first season and absolutely loved it. And Candace Cameron, who plays DJ Tanner, the oldest of the the three sisters, uh, is the same age as me. So I literally grew up with... um, with Candace Cameron, um, throughout, throughout every season, we were going through the same stages in life together. Mm-hmm. Candace Cameron, happily married for 18 years, three gorgeous kids, and she's written a couple of books. And in her latest book, she attributes the happiness of, of her marriage to the fact that she has made the decision to be a submissive wife and mm-hmm. submit to her husband. And she said it re- it works for them. She leaves, you know, the big decisions. She respects his authority. And, um, you know, that it, it leads to happiness and bliss in their marriage. And uh, so she's really happy with it. When, as I was reading it, it took me back on my um, journey through first discovering about the whole, the whole subject of uh, Ephesians 5, which uh, talks about wives submitting to their husbands. And uh, as, you know, that Christ is the head of the church, so is the husband the head of the family and, and that sort of thing. And I remember when I was sort of new in rediscovering my faith in my early 20s and I was talking with a girlfriend who was um, about to get married and, and someone sort of jokingly said to her, oh, are you going to be a, an Ephesians 5 wife? Ha, ha, ha. And I said, oh, oh what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And then she explained it. It means that, you know, I'm, I'm um, submit to my husband. He's the leader of our home. And, um, you know, she was quite calm. And, and she was someone that I really respected as well. And I was absolutely gobsmacked. And I thought, you are a strong, independent woman who's perfectly capable of running her own life. Just like yourself. What was that? Just like yourself. Just like me. Yes. Why on earth would you, you know, make someone else the boss of you? That doesn't make any sense to me. And the whole thing infuriated me. And it was almost a deal breaker in my face Mm. (laughs) because I was such a strongly independent woman. And uh, and I thought this is outrageous. How you know I was, I was like God. How did, how could you sneak this in there <laughs> and put women in this in this box? But you know it, over the years, as I saw it played out well in marriages around me, it, it made sense to me, and I now understand it, and I live it out in my marriage. I don't always get it right, that's for sure. But um, you know I wanted to race to to Candace Cameron's defence and say, hey, you know what? After 18 years of marriage, maybe she's got this right. Maybe yeah. maybe she's onto something here. I was talking about this recently, actually, um, and what submission uh, actually really means. And, and someone explained it uh, far better than I could, that the Greek word for submission in the scripture doesn't have the same meaning as it does in the English variant of submissive. So when we talk about someone being submissive, we think of passive and weak and, you know, uh, um, and being undermined sort mm-hmm. of thing. Whereas what the, the word in the Bible actually means is to be devoted and actively loyal to your husband. And I think that's what we should all aspire to in our marriages, really, isn't it? And, Most and, the, and the, the husband is the spiritual head of the home and he creates the spiritual atmosphere in the home. And, can, you know, his job is really to connect everyone in his family to God. And I think that's an incredible aspiration for any husband to have in a relationship 
uh, and, and any father to have for their kids as well. And and obviously the mum plays a huge part in that too. And I, I think you know the the husband is the head of the home, and and the wife is the heart of the home. And together it's it's an incredible team. And I think I always talk about marriage as a team sport, and uh, and that makes hubby team captain, and mm. and I'm his his right hand girl. And um, you know, and everyone knows their roles. It doesn't mean that my role is any less important than his. As far from it. Uh, we're, we are um, a team and I don't need to be micromanaged through every decision. And, um, uh, but, you know, he, he is our team leader and he, he does an incredible job of, of helping us all to connect in our relationship with God. Yeah, I know. Um, I think it's Mark, Mark 3 something where it says a house divided mm. cannot stand. I actually remember chatting with you about a favourite song that you have by Reliant K. Yeah. Must have done something right. right yeah. Why is that such a great song for you? Yeah, I think if, if someone made a soundtrack for our marriage, that one would definitely be on Because <laughs> the, the opening line is, we should get jerseys because we make a good team. Ooh, I love it. And that really sums it up. You know, I think in marriage you're a team and, and you need to be a team player and, and realise that, hey, it's not all about me. It's how can I bring out the best in my partner and not what can my partner do for me, but what can I do to make their life brighter today and, and help them to be a better person. And that's really what, what marriage is all about. So, yeah, I, this, the song really, I always jump up and down on my seat when I hear it playing because it's such a, <laughs> a happy tune and such great lyrics as well. And I think it, you know, for, for any marriage, I think you should add this to the soundtrack to your marriage and, and just play it every now and then just to remind yourself that you're in this together. Whatever happens, we're in this thing together. And I often, we often say that to each other through the good times and, you know, when things aren't going great and different, you know, something's happened in the business or something like that. Say, so, hey, you know what? Whatever happens, we're in it together. We're a team. Mm, and I, I know for sure it's jolly hard work. It's not all roses and sunshine. But to finish off, Annette, some tips for being a good player in our marriages. Just give us an overview. What would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, um, first of all, as I said before, hey, remember, it's not all about you. Mm. <laughs> Marriage isn't all about what can I get out of this how you know if you if everyone wakes up in the morning and says how can I make the world a better place for someone today? Oh, nice. Starting with your partner, you know, imagine imagine the the utopia around us if we all had that attitude. <laughs> and um, I think it's really important to be your partner's biggest fan and mm-hmm. to cheer them on and to know what their goals are and to do whatever you can to help them achieve their goals. Um, and you know, when, whenever my hubby kicks a goal, I'm always the first person that he calls to celebrate with, and I love that. Yeah, and, go and girl. Same for me too. Um, and third of all is listening. Listening is such a key in communication and, and making sure that your partner knows that they're being listened to and knows that they're being heard as well because uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and that's when, then, when people start listening to you. And so it's, it's hearing and making your partner know that they've been heard and understood as well. And also remembering you are a team, but you're not the coach. <laughs> you can't have two coaches. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Someone's got to give. <laughs> so work as a team and, and be a team player and do whatever you can for the harmony of the team and the mm-hmm. morale of the team. And check on the glue that's holding you together. What is it that's, that's keeping you together? Because there's so much in the world that's tearing people apart, tearing couples apart. And I see it, you know, so close to home um, and... Uh, in our, even in our neighbourhood, uh, there's um, separations going on at the moment and it's absolutely gut-wrenching seeing a family broken apart. And mm. I actually work in 
um, real estate as well. I do a lot of writing for real estate agents and 80% of the homes that I go to to visit to write about are um, they're selling for divorce settlement. Oh, is that true? Yeah, and walking through the homes and you see, you know, the, the kids' bedrooms set oh. up and oh, I'm going to get teary in pink and blue and butterflies oh. and things. You know, your, your world's about to change. Oh, well, 80% of the houses being sold today. Yeah, the, one, the ones that I go through, um, sure. it, it would be about 80% are a divorce settlement and mm. um, it's not the way it's meant to be. Um, so, I'm sorry. so back to the glue. Yeah, that's right, the glue. I'm so grateful that we have this incredible glue called our faith that sticks us together and, and it's not just... Um, my husband and I in our marriage there's someone greater than us and that's God that's holding us together yeah and if, if he's the focus in your marriage um, you know <laughs> he's the strongest glue mm. and uh, I have so much peace of mind knowing that you know my husband loves God more than he loves me and he he answers to God more, <laughs> you know more than he answers to me and so you know his priority is for us all to stand before God on that day and for him to present us all to God on that day. <laughs> mm, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Greg and I, we celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary. Wow. And uh, at our wedding uh, ceremony, the, the marriage ceremony itself, a part of it was, you know, the, the reference in the Bible that talks about a cord of three strands mm. that cannot be broken. And our yeah. pastor who addressed um, our family and friends on the day, he really clearly went through the three C's of marriage. Mm -hmm. He said, if you can keep Christ at the head, mm -hmm. commitment in there and communication open, the three C's, Christ, commitment and communication, mm -hmm. then uh, the three strands will yeah. Remain strong. I know. And uh, I guess I know there's a little phrase that I like you love, the phrase that says, the best is yet to come. Yes. And if we can keep hold of that positivity and that hope and, and work towards our part in yep. uh, in creating the best for ourselves mm -hmm. together as a couple and, and our kids and our family, That's God will right. guide. Whatever happens in this world, the best is yet to come. <laughs> I've been chatting with Annette Spur from Blue Box Media, also mumdaily.com.au. God bless you heaps. Love to Phil and love to your boys. And I look forward to sharing a cuppa and a chat with you again another day. Absolutely. Thanks. Love to you too. That was Karen Hunt chatting with Annette Spur from Brisbane. And as we just heard, Annette has come a long way from being a missionary kid in the Middle East, then going through a rebellious young adult period in Australia, and now strong in her faith and in her marriage with her husband, Phil. Quite an amazing story of growth in her life. And as always, we're encouraging you to share your story with someone today. I'm Jimmy Colfax. Thanks for joining us. Next time on The Story. My wife and I had the opportunity to go to Scotland a few years ago, which is where my parents were from. And we went to the island of Iona, which is where faith came to the north of England through Iona, through the island of Iona. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting on the dock waiting for the ferry. And I looked at her and I said, do you realise the faith that we inherited could be attributed to the work of the people that came to this island? Sitting in that place where that our faith had come through, it was almost like we'd come full circle. Mick MacGyver is a singer, songwriter, musician and all-round creative guy based in Victoria's Yarra Valley. He tells us about his life, faith and music next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 
Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.